Hello and welcome to another episode of Lore Council, the podcast to talk about everything related to the background lore of either 40k, fantasy, or any other sort of background lore that we can think of that's got compelling stuff to talk about. Um, tonight, we've got myself, John, and Eddie. Yes. So last time, on the last episode, first episode, we talked about a lot about the horse heresy, stuff like that, and going to follow up with that with kind of where the horse there she left off. Eddie, what is it you wanted to know about first off right now? Tell me more about the Grey Knights. Let's tell you more about the Grey Knights. So, <clears throat> the Grey Knights came about because the Emperor, even during the horse heresy, knew that chaos was always going to be a problem, especially once horse felt things like, well, even if I win this war, chaos is going to be a problem, so I need warriors that cannot be corrupted by chaos. Space Marines and Primarchs have proven themselves corruptible. I need warriors who can't. So he sent Malkador the Sigilite, his first command, High Region of Terra, to find 12 individuals throughout the galaxy, in the midst of the Horus Heresy, to gather them around, bring them to the Emperor. Right before Horus lays siege to Terra, Malkador shows up with these with these 12 people. Four High Lords and Governors of like the absolute highest order, like the like four extremely important human people, and eight Space Marines from across all of the legions, even some of the traitor ones, because there are some loyalists amongst them too. Um... In fact, the first of those was a Death Guard by the name of Nathaniel Garrow, who actually brought warning of Horus' treachery to first Rogel Dorn and then to the Emperor himself. So he became the first of the Knight, which they were called the Knights Errant at the time, Malkador's Knights Errant. Um, Emperor makes some, tells them his plan. Malkador ten, takes them to the Moon of Titan, gets them all set up, and on the Moon of Titan, there's just. It is a fortress monastery decked out and ready to go. Like, it's got tons of automated stuff, banks of thousands of, the containing thousands of different, of uh, Gene Seed for the Grey Knights, and thousands upon thousands of potential recruits. And before Malkador has to head back to Terra, he does one last psychic bullshit and sends Terra, and sends Titan into a pocket of reality in the warp to keep it safe so that no one can fuck with it while the Grey Knights are getting ready. They emerge... About a thousand uh, during sometime during the second founding, not long after the years after the Horus Heresy, second founding. Even though it was only the second founding, they're still dubbed the six hundred and sixty sixth chapter because demon hunters. Spooky. Um, the first grandmaster of the Green Knights was called Janus or Janus, however you want to pronounce that. Um, and when Titan came out of the warp, when Malkador's psychic bullshit spell wore off, whatever, there is a thousand Grey Knights ready to go. Any questions so far? So how... So of the recruits, there was only 1,000 that became Grey Knights? Like, because all of the, the others died? Yes. Because of the rigorous testing involved. It is, like, space, becoming a Space Marine, hard. Becoming a Grey Knight, even harder. The Grey Knights are, like, one in a million amongst people as far as mental fortitude to resist the predations of the warp and chaos as a whole. Or to resist being corrupted by them. There are one in a million individuals. So they're not given any kind of special equipment. They're just raw, powerful individuals. They're all, they all have a degree of psychic might. In fact, every Grey Knight is technically in itself a psyker, a very strong force of will. And that's part of the training, is is hammering out the weak, those weak, not strong-willed enough to make them those who be corrupted. Because out of all, the, there's plenty of space rings that fall into chaos. Not a single Grey Knight has ever fallen to chaos or been corrupted by the war because of how strong of will and resi resilient to the warp that they have to be. They've been entrusted with guarding and 
fighting against the most dangerous beings in the in the known galaxy. So how is their equipment different from others? Uh, their f um, Nemesis Force weapons are technology that is very closely guarded that no one outside the chapter knows that was thought to have been created even by specifically the Emperor himself that not even the High Lords of Mars know how to make. Only the Grey Knights know how to make it. It is exclusive to them and it taps into their psychic ability to better fight demons. Their power armor is extensively blessed with like sil magical silver and stuff like that to, to protect, that, protect them from demonic attacks and further shield their soul against chaos. Um, their range weapon, they got those, those psychic bolts that do specific damage to psychers and demons as a whole. Like they're very much geared to kind of fight themselves, really. Like because they're all psychers, all their weaponry is good against anything with some some sort of psychic presence in in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So, after they emerged, did they just kind of hang around and wait, or did they immediately set out to hunt down demons? They immediately set out because part of the way that their forged monster is organized, the way that they um, can fight demons is by the time a high, go high lord or a governor sent out the frantic call for help to the Grains, by the time it reached them, it would be far too late. So in the part of the fortress monastery called the Argurium, they have these prognosticars where prognosticars are gifted in reading the ebb and flow of the warp. So they keep their eye on things and they can predict demonic incursion months or even years in advance so the Great Knights are there ready and waiting. So as soon as they came out of the warp, they're immediately sending out ships to mm. fight the demons. Um, for also part of their Forge Monster is the Chambers of Purifi Purity, which is where the pu uh, Great Knights called the Purifiers hang out. They're the most pure and resilient of the Great Knights that there are. And they're trusted with guarding very, very dangerous demonic relics and stuff like that. And part of the Chambers of Purity, there's also rumored to imprison some sort of great evil entity that even the Emperor himself couldn't kill but wasn't managed to imprison. And when the Fortress Monster even starts to shake from there, the um, Chambers of Purity doors lock and the purifiers seal it off. And the entire chapter is just like, oh boy, until the shaking stops and the doors reopen. Because it is something so mass and dangerous that not even the Granites or the Emperor himself, the Emperor himself, the most powerful Zyker in all the galaxy, couldn't kill it, could only imprison it. And so it's just imprisoned there. Probably the safe, it's like putting. It's basically like Alcatraz for the demons. Got it. Or whatever it is. We don't know what it is. So do they routinely imprison demons? Yes. They have these things called Tesseract Vaults, where there's not as many of those. They use those for very rare instances, where it's a very dangerous and infamous demon that they can't just afford to banish and have it come back later. So they put these in, in these Tesseract Vaults, which are like stasis, but it's alien technology. And there's rumors about where it came from. But it... Think of it like Ghostbusters, as far as like how it houses the demons. It's like okay. one of it's like that. It's like that for demons. So rather than banishing them, it imprisons in a little box. I can only think of the Grey Knights as the Ghostbusters now. Yeah, um, there is also in their in the Hall of Champions, which is their feasting hall and trophy room and all like that. Um, there's the skull of a demon, uh, Imranath, is how it's pronounced. It's spelled, I guess. Um, bound, who was such a hassle for the Grey Knights that when they killed him, they bound his soul to his skull and took it back and housed it in this Hall of Champions over their feasting table. So it's bound to his skull so that he can't just come, go back to the warp and appear later. They didn't banish him. They bound his soul to his skull so he's trapped there forever watching the Grand celebrate their victories over demonkind. It's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that is like the ultimate just like, look wow. at how big my dick is! God. 
Yeah. Um, right. So how do they... I guess we'll touch on this in a bit, but then... So the Grey Knights are founded. They come out of pocket dimension into real space and do their thing. Yes. How much contact do they have with the rest of the Imperium? Like, do they just are left to do their thing, or...? The Grey Knights and Inquisition as a whole keep the Grey Knights, the humanity's best-kept secret. Like, they are even more mythical than space marines are. They do this in a pretty not great they, genocide way. They kill everybody. Anyone who know, who becomes aware of the Grey Knights is immediately sentenced to death to keep them a secret because the Inquisition reasons that if humanity knows that demons are out there, it would be mass panic. If it was common knowledge that, they're, that there were space marines that stood above space marines specifically to fight demons because how much of a threat they were, humanity would panic and demons would, would have a lot more ability to prey on mankind. So, so on the subject of the Inquisition, we'll go ahead and go into this now. Yeah. I want to know more. Uh, tell me more about the Ordo Malleus. The Ordo Malleus is the arm where the Grand are technically working buddy-buddy with them. They go and take on the demonic stuff. That's the Ordo Malleus, is demonic stuff. So the Grand Knights, even though they're their own standalone chapter, work very closely with the Ordo Malleus. They don't, the Grand Knights don't answer to the Ordo Malleus, but they are... But they rarely say no. They only say no of like, no, we don't have the means, or no, we can't do that because we got other things to do, or no, you're wrong, there's a greater threat over here. Or, no, you're corrupted, daka, daka, daka. So, tell me more about specifically the Ordo as opposed to their relationship with the Great Knights. Ordo Malleus, I mean, they go after, they, they seek out demonic corruption. That's kind of their thing. Like, they go, they're, like, Think of the Ordo... Well, yeah, they go after Minecraft. They're basically the human version of the Demon Hunters. Like... But if the Grey Knights have this Agorium, mm -hmm. why don't they just be like, hey guys, we can't get to this in time. Maybe burn the planet down. The Ordo Malice is the one who... Like, the, the Grey Knights go after like the actual demons when they make incursion, demonic incursions. The Ordo Malice goes around to, to people who are suspected of having demonic affiliation or demonic corruption or chaos corruption and just like mm, we suspect you're going to investigate you so how do they differ from the order hereticus uh the order hereticus goes specifically after rogue psychers okay um which is why their sister battle like they abhor the witch you know kill the abhor, uh, kill the witch abhor the witch but they're like the order hereticus is much more like the spanish inquisition where they just show up and torture people to prove their loyalty like, to test their loyalty to okay. the Emperor. They're just like, you know, you've been seeming a little less faithful than some of the, uh, the governors in the other near, in the nearby planets. We're going to test you your faith. You seem a little too loyal. Or even that, just like, perhaps doth thou doth protest too loudly, Governor. So, they they go after rogue psychers, and specifically, specifically rogue psychers. Okay. Um, so, Herdicus takes care of specifically rogue psychers. Yes. As well as like people who turn to chaos, or is that fall under the Ordo Malleus? That's where they kind of overlap a little bit, as far as people who fall to chaos, because at that point it becomes just like, fuck jurisdiction, chaos, kill, kill, kill. Okay, so Malleus works semi with the demon hunter, with the Grey Knights as demon hunters and rooting out you know yeah. anyone who might be trying to yes. do anything with demons. Hereticus works with specifically psychers, and they work together on chaos incursions. Hereticus what? goes after rogue psychers. They don't have the psychers. They don't. Hereticus doesn't have anything. Have any sort of house psychers. Like they don't. What's the difference? Utilize psychers. 
I'm just clarifying because it sounds like you know works with psychers. No, they work. Okay, okay. With the, they with hunting. They down. hunt the rogue yeah. psychers. Yeah. Uh, Ordo Zenos. What do they do? The Death Watch. They go after alien threats. Um, they t- they draw from all different chapter space brains. Paint their armor black, and one one shoulder pad and arm becomes silver with the with the. Uh, uh, Death Watch insignia on it, but then their other shoulder pad, the left shoulder pad is the silver one, the right shoulder pad maintains their original chapter's insignia and colors. And they're formed into these very, very elite, specialized veteran kill teams that go after alien threats where, like, aliens are trying to manipulate mankind, like Eldar, specifically, they like to fight Eldar a lot, but they also work in tandem with Eldar sometimes to take on, say, stuff like Necrons or Tyranids on Space Hulks, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Steeler cults, or if Tau start talking to planetary governors and they're just like, why don't you join the greater good? There, in one of the Cyphus Kane novels, I remember he gets sent to uh, a rim, uh, a fringe world that's fringe like right world. on the a yeah. border in the Damocles Gulf. And mm-hmm. it was like they're technically heretics because they are working with the Tau. They're Tau sympathizers, right? But they don't just start killing people. Like, is there a reason that they do it to maintain the peace? Sometimes. Technically heretics, but they don't start killing the heretics. Okay. Um, is that what you're saying? Like, they're, they're, how to say it? The Ordo Zenos, if they're like the other Ordos, would just start executing traitors. Like, they would go to the world, kill anyone who looked like a Tau sympathizer, and then move on. It's but m- they don't seem to do that. Yeah, it's more that they go after where after z- specifically Zenos that are posing threats to humanity in some way. Like, to prevent Xenos from getting a hold of some sort of, like, arcane artifact. They'll go after the Xenos for that. They'll go after genes that are called super starting to worship Xenos. But, you know, sympathizers just, like... Damocles is one of those places where it's such a complicated situation militarily out there because of the clashes with the Tau, like, the border clash with the Tau. Like, it's... In the mixed public opinion out there, it would just be too much have to just go in and just like you look like a, t- a blue person sympathizer like no they go they'd be going after specifically to kill the xenos okay so to keep the peace they kind of let them do their thing kind of yeah specifically in damocles yeah kind of from my understanding anyway Damocles is such a complex and weird situation come back to that at some point we will not to the, not on this episode not, not I, need, I need episode. to read up on it i just know right. it's really complex so we've gone over the inquisition a little bit how, how was the inquisition founded because it wasn't original no, um, it was founded by Malkador. In fact, the uh, Inquisitorial Eye, the stylized eye, was actually the originally the mark of the Sigilite. Really? Um, yeah. Or at least a version of it was the mark of the Sigilite. Um, but those 12 individuals gathered there by Malkador before to found the Granites, the four of them that were human, the High Lords, whatever, became the, the people who founded the, Inquis- the Inquisition. They became the original Inquisitors. Uh, to root out corruption and heresy and that sort of thing. Before heresy was, you know, to root out but they must chaos have, corruption. They must have only been able to do that after the Emperor died. Yes. Because he was very, there is no religion. Right, it was more, to, well, he, there is no religion because he knew that the chaos gods would be weakened if people just didn't know they existed. Sure, they was, the chaos gods would be, fed, would be fed by the raw emotions that they feed on through humanity, but if people weren't openly worshipping them or aware of them, They'd become a lot. They would be a lot less powerful. Okay. So he told people that, but he still knew that chaos, the threat of chaos, was present. So the Inquisition was started to hunt out the cr- corruption of chaos. So it was actually originally started to keep to maintain that rule of no of no religion. Kinda, yeah. 
How did it get so warped? Emperor dies, killing Fighting Horus, ascends to the Golden Throne. And I guess because Malkador died, there wasn't anybody to really tell them. Kind of. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, the irony of that, of that, of the Emperor becoming a god, though, is Lorgar started that, and then when he was told, knock it off, goes and finds Chaos, starts worshipping them. But before that happened, when he was spreading the word of the Emperor throughout the Imperium during the Great Crusade, he penned this thing called Lactitio Divinitatis, which was the original worship of the Emperor which then became the religion of the Imperium. So Lorgar's laughing from beyond the grave. No, he, he when he realized that, he, when, when the Emperor told him not, he's like, well, then you must not be a god. And he decided that the Emperor was lying to everyone about there not being gods, and that the Emperor himself was not a god. From the warp, Lorgar's just like, fuck, 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 I made oh. him a god! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I just like to, I just like to imagine, like, Lorgar, like, Peering through the warp to see what the Emperor is doing whenever and just I see him, wonder what mankind's up and to. And just see him being worshipped, like, on the throne being worshipped by his god, and just like, fuck, 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 I did, I did this, fuck, fuck, damn it, damn it, damn it. Zinch quietly laughs yeah. his throne. <laughs> Distant laughter from the Thousand Suns homeworld in the warp, just like, ha, ha, fucking told fuck, you. Fuck, fucking idiot. <laughs> anyway, so, on the subject of looking out from the warp, yeah. tell me more about the Eye of Terror. Let's tell you more about the Eye of Terror. I gotta flip through my notes here. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Um... What about the Eye of Terror would you like to know, specifically? Because that's a very broad topic. So we know how it was made. Yeah. Uh, Murder fucking two existence. Super party hearted. <laughs> yeah. So once it was once it came into existence, what happened from there? Um, Cadia has always been a world there, and, na and the native Cadians actually knew about the gods in the warp, the chaos gods, and worshipped them to an extent. So when Lorgar makes, comes to Cadia, makes my full in contact with the native Cadians, they show him the ways of of chaos and basically corrupt him. Mere humans corrupt him, like the challenge, whatever. Um, but then, after the heresy, the traitor forces are chased into the Eye of Terror because they, mankind, when they all the demons like that, they're just like, what better place to keep them than literal hell? Just chase <laughs> them into the warp. Um, so they go in there. Now, along the way, because there are some notable events that happened in the Eye of Terror between the chaos forces in there. Uh, on the way there, when they were fleeing Loyalist forces, specifically the Emperor's children would leave in their wake completely depopulated, empty worlds, because they were taking so many slaves to perform their excesses upon and indulge their twisted Wa wannabe things. Dark Eldarism. Yeah, to worship Slanesh with, basically. So they leave these depopulated things, but then they get into the warp and they can't do that anymore because there's no worlds for them to do that. Okay. So then they start attacking other legions, raiding their slave populations to get more. Um, part of that was at Battle of Scalathrax, which was between the Emperor's Children and the World Eaters. This is when the World Eaters Legion was actually shattered from a coherent legion to a bunch of different warbands. When the night fell on that planet, it's a demon world, fell on that planet, it was so-called lethal demon space brains and power armor. So they had to stop fighting and seek shelter. We were fighting on the shelter. But then once they did that, Karn's like, fuck that. And takes Flintor and starts burning to and torching shelters, friend or foe alike. And she's like, keep fucking fighting. Karn demands it. Mm -hmm. And that's how he became Karn the Betrayer. Um, they were eventually, the slave wars eventually ended when the Emperor's Children Legion kind of found themselves surrounded on all sides by all the other traitor legions who were just like, 
fuck you guys, like you weirdos. We're gonna put you down." And they became, and then they got shattered into warbands. They're actually one of the um, least populated of the old traitor legions because of how badly they were shattered. Interesting. Um, Fulgrim was. What happened to Fulgrim is like kind of questionable. No one really knows what happened, but the rumors is that he was gifted a planet hidden somewhere away by Slanesh where there was just endless excess and debauchery and pleasure for him to for Fulgrim to rule over. Anyone who's gone looking for that, Chaos Wars, Inquisition, anything, who's gone looking for it has never returned. You think that's because they found it? Or... They, they found it and Fulgrim's like, ooh, new playthings. Um, but there are some notable worlds in the Eye of Terra. Harmony was the former world of the Emperor's Children and was eventually destroyed by the Black Legion. Uh, this is also where Fabius Bile clo- made a clone of Horus, who then Abaddon, when he became to lead the Black Legion, later killed. Um, Why? Because Abaddon viewed Horus as weak, in the, and the reason that the heresy failed was because Horus was weak at the last second, and so kind of disowned him. Uh, there is Malium, which was the temporary homeworld of the Sons of Horus, and once held the fortress called Monument, where the corpse of Horus was entombed until... It was attacked by the Emperor's Children during those slave wars, and the corpse was stolen by Fabius for the purposes of cloning. Uh, there's Medrengard, which is the home of the Iron Warriors. It's basically... It's also a demon world. This dead white sky with a black sun. and well, Mount- all the worlds in the Eye of Terror demon worlds? Yeah, some, some more than others. It depends on who rules over them. Um, Medrengard is very mountainous and kind of a dead world but in all the mountains it's just like tons and tons of fortresses which all the iron warriors warpsmiths have uh, built as well as Perturabo is there too um it was also a host to what was called the dispute of iron which was a civil war between the iron warriors which rumors which was rumored to have been started by Perturabo to weed out the weak because that's kind of his thing yeah uh the plague planet which is the home of the death garden and Mortarian kind of shaped it to be like his original homeworld of Barbarus, where the civi- the human population Did was ruled. Did you say Tyrion or Typhus? Mortarion. Mortarion. Um, this isn't even thrown. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I heard, man. Sorry. Mortarion, the primary of the Death Guard, kind of shaped it to be like his original homeworld of Barbarus, where the human population lived in fear of this sorcerer lord who lived high in the mountains. And there's like these, like dead but not dead monsters that roam in through the mists and attack the populations every now and then. Mortarian made it like that, but with him as the tyrant instead. With him as the as the thing that was feared. Yeah. And then there is Sycharis, which is the home of the word bearers. On the note of Mortarian. Yeah. Did he just sit in that mountain jacking off letting people be afraid of him, or did he actually do anything? What, on Barbarous? No, on the on new the play planet. planet. Yeah, that's pretty much what he does. Just sits up on a mountain jerking off? Yeah. He's a Primarch! (laughs) Such a disappointment. Yeah, he's kind of a disappointing Primarch. Now, the Plague Planet is any time a ship gets lost in the warp or something like that and the crew dies of sickness or other sort of ailment, it inevitably finds its way to the Plague Planet through magical, mysterious means. And then that's how the Death Guard and Plague Fleets grow. And then that's where they... It's kind of on the edge of real space, so it's a perfect location to launch raids into the re- into the Imperium. On the subject of the Death Guard and the Warp, I want to know more about the Flight of the Eisenstein. Flight of the Eisenstein, huh? 
Um, okay. Because that was one of, if not the only, loyalist ship that escaped. Um, Istvan Three. Yes. As far as I know, it's the only loyalist ship that escaped Istvan Three, um, which was when, for those of you listening who's not familiar with Istvan Three, is when Horus and the other traitor, and some other traitor leaders, the Sons of Horus, the Emperor's Children, the World Eaters, and the Death Guard. The premise was to go put down a rebellion that had overthrown the local planet, the local imperial government. But Horus is using it as a cover-up to send, in the first wave of the planetary assault, all those he thought were still loyal to Terra, or at least wouldn't follow him into, into sedition. They would make planet fall, and then he would virus bomb the hell out of them and just purge his ranks, all the ranks in one fell swoop. The Eisenstein was a Death Guard uh, ship, where Captain Nathaniel Guerra was on board. He was wounded, and originally he was supposed to be on that first wave, but he was wounded in an earlier engagement in the Espawn system and thus couldn't make Planetfall. He learns of what's going to happen, as does Emperor's Children Captain Saul Tarvitz, who then steals the Thunderhawk, and as he's dodging all the fire and pursuit ships, he makes a desperate call to Garrow, saying, hey, get them off my back, I've learned something. Tell, tells Garrow what he's learned, which is that horse is about to become a traitor. Garrow helps him by shooting the things off his back in such a way because it was so dangerous close, made it look like that Tarvis's Thunderhawk was destroyed as well. Tarvis makes Planet Fall. Garrow books it out of the system, but becomes ver- his ship becomes very damaged in the process. And they, they jump, make the jump in the warp, but when they were in the warp, because of how damaged it was, they kind of get invaded by demons. They fight off the demons, and then make an emergency drop out of the warp, who knows where. They're stuck there. They can't make warp travel, so they're effectively dead in the water. They power down all their life support systems and realize, okay, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to jettison our warp drives and make them explode to basically like a, like a warp flare. So when anyone traveling nearby in the warp will see this and will hopefully come to investigate and help us. Hopefully they will be friendly. So do this and they wait. Out of the warp comes a massive Imperial Fist fleet, including the Phalanx, with Dorn. They board the Eisenstein semi-hostily, take Garrow and his close companions to meet Dorn. He's like, I have something very important to tell only the pri- only your Primarch. You will take me to him. Sigismund's so like, <sighs> and, and Garrow's like, you boarded us hostily. We, you, we're a space marine vessel. Why did you use hostile boarding tactics? You didn't kill him, but why did you use those sort of tactics? Like, when you read life support system here, well, it might have been a trap. How? Take me to the Primark. Fine. Goes to Dorne. And along with Garrow, on the Eisenstein, who, people who made the Eisenstein was a son of Horus that was called the Half-Herd, as well as some Remembrancers who had taken pictures of treachery that Lord, that uh, Horus had done, that had somehow survived the purge of the Remembrancers. What are Remembrancers? They were sent out during the Great Crusade to chronicle the conquest of the galaxy and the image behind his name, and they varied from profession to profession. There's photographers, poets, writers, authors, painters, that sort of thing. Like, basically there to document the conquest of the galaxy and celebrate it. Okay. I was thinking more like robots with cameras for eyes. No. Humans. <clears throat> um, among them was someone who had was one of them who had t- taken pictures of the massacre of Remembrancers in Horus's fleet, and then when Garrow tells Dorn, like, hey, so you know your brother Horus? He's kind of gone traitor and killed thousands both and other and loyal space marines Dorn clocks him across the face like how dare you 
like punches him across the board of the uh, across the uh, deck of the ship. Like, ship. how dare you? Like, how dare you speak in such a way of, of your betters? And, and Gara was like, if you didn't think there was a hint of truth to what I had just said, you would have just straight up killed me. You would not have allowed me to live this far. And Dorn's like, you're a son of a bitch, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. And then they show them the pictures of the other members of massacre, and he's like, oh, we need to go to Terra right now. So, Eisenstein can't make warp travel, so they get taken aboard that. Eisenstein destroyed, just for the sake of destroying it, because it can't be salvaged. Go to Terra, tell the Emperor and Malkador, and a retribution fleet is formed that included elements that include the entire legions of the word bearers, night lords, iron warriors, raven guard, iron hands, and salamanders, as well as originally elements of the imperial fist, but not the entire imperial fist Half legion. Half the chapters you just named are traitors. You see where I'm going with this. Okay. The imperial, the, there was also contingent of imperial fist that I was supposed to quit that got lost in the warp due to warp travel. Did they ever get recovered or? We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, they weren't lost, but we'll get to that in a second. Now, the retribution fleet of six whole legions that went to the Isfun system, Horus and his forces made fortifications on Isfun 5 rather than 3. Make plan to fall there. The initial wave consisted of the Raven Guard, Salamanders, and Iron Hands, with the second wave going to consist of Night Lords, Word Bearers, and Iron Warriors. The Iron Warriors were to make um, quickly established defenses, defensive lines for the first wave to fall back to so that the other waves could so they could take shelter there while the other ways went and continued the assault. They make Planetfall. First wave of Planetfall, the assault is brutal. But then the second wave makes Planetfall. And as they're, you know, they're going back, they're retreating for their tactical, you know, tagging in with fresh troops, as they go back to what they think are friendly lines, they are met with bolter fire. It is an absolute massacre. Thousand, the legions are gutted. Would you say it's a drop site it massacre? It was a drop site massacre. <laughs> Uh, this is where <coughs> Ferris Manus, Primarch of the Iron Hands, was killed by Fulcrum in a duel. Uh, Vulcan gets captured by Kurz, even though his sons think he gets killed because he even get immolated by something, but he's a perpetual, so he can't die. However, Korax manages to escape with a decent number of legionaries, and then proceeds to be on the run across the, Ist across the Istvan V surface for 98 days, constantly attacking and harrying the traitor forces, until they are eventually cornered by a force of world leaders, including Angron. Back on the homeworld of the Raven Guard, a human is having strange dreams that involve ravens and fire. And he's like, I think Korax is in trouble and goes to the one legionary captain that was left behind. He's like, we need to go to the Isfahan system. And he's like, no, no, we don't. They've got it handled. If six whole legions can't bring horses, forces down, what makes you think your regiment of human soldiers would do anything. You would be nothing but a news. You would get in the way. He's like, I think Lord Korax is trouble. Please, if if not, I will s resign from my command of my of my regiment. You have my word. And he's like, okay, fine. So they go and investigate, and indeed, this guy is right. And they wouldn't even have been able to rescue Korax at all because there's a World Eaters uh, ship in their way that was moving in for attack position. On the bridge of that World Eater ship, right as they're about to engage. The, com the ship commander's second-in-command pulls a bolt pistol and kills them. Where the world leader is, like, foaming at the mouth and says, Why, you know, what are you doing as he's dying? The second man leans down and says, For Valerius, the Alpha Legion has infiltrated all of the legions and made sure that the Raven Guard and Korax were able to escape. 
they do at the very last second. Korax is the last one off the planet. They leave, and Korax immediately goes back to Terra because he know he wants to talk. He seeks counsel with the Emperor. He's like, give me a way to keep fighting this war. Give me a way to replenish my legion and keep fighting the traitors. Alpharius knows this. There are people who have infiltrated. There are Alpha Legionnaires who have infiltrated the Raven Guard specifically to steal this information. Now, what happened to the Imperial Fist contingent that was going with as well? They got cut off due to warp storms. Drop off in the Fall System. P-H-A-L-L. -L, fall System. And find themselves later, after the Drop Site Massacre, some point after the Drop Site Massacre, engaged by a massive fleet of Iron Warriors, including Perturabo. The captain, the commander of that, Alexis Pollux, leads a desperate assault with Terminators to try to attack Perturabo on the bridge of his command ship. They all die, but it was a rear guard action, so most of the Imperial Fist could make it back to Terra. That's what happened to that Imperial Fist force. A lot of so Imperial Fist Terminators die. Yeah. <clears throat> that seems to be like their goal. It's their like shtick. <laughs> all right, who's in Terminator armor? Me, me. All right, all you, three of you go die. Yeah. Okay. So we've gone over the Dropsite Massacre. What happened with the Raven Guard? Did any other Loyalist forces make it off the planet? Um, in the initial recoil from the shock of the massacre, there were some who made made it, made for orbit to return to their ships, and but there wasn't any sort of organization to it. There were some Raven Guard salamanders or type, like any sort of void-worthy craft that could get off planet. People is like doesn't matter what legion from, just get in the ship, let's go. We gotta get out of here. And they became the Shadow Legion, so they just booked it out of the system as quickly as they could. So elements of those legions survived, completely taken out of the war, though, as far as, as, far as fighting effectivity. Yeah. The combat effectiveness due to their heavily diminished numbers. Like when Korax made it off of his Fun Five, he came down. He came there with like eighty thousand warriors. He leaves with less than three thousand. Just tens of tens, over a hundred thousand legionnaires dead in a single battle. On the note of traitor legions, yes. How many of them escaped the heresy? Escaped the heresy. Survived. They all technically survived the heresy in one form or another, but not necessarily at legion strength. Um, they're all hounded into the Eye of Terror. The Thousand Sons didn't, as far as I know, participate in the Battle of Terror because they were too busy having been bitched up by the wolves and licking their wounds on the planet of sorcerers. They were kind of like on the fence, right? Yeah, Magnus is just like, uh, I don't know I want to join. I don't, I don't really worship chaos, but the Emperor doesn't really like me. Yeah, like, don't really worship chaos, the Emperor doesn't really like me, but I also really don't like Chorus all that much, and I think what you're doing is insane, so... I'm going to sit this one out and see how it plays. I'm going to get some popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Because he had no physical body because Russ broke that over his back. Over his knee, just cracked. So he broke the back. Yeah. So we've gone on some older stuff, some pre-heresy stuff, and a touch of what happened afterwards. Let's flash forward a couple thousand years. I want to know about the first Armageddon War. Ooh, that's a fun one. Uh, that was when the Space Hulk... Devourer of Stars found his way into the warp. How are Space Hulks named? I don't know. Okay. Because <laughs> that seems I like I know an how they're formed. It's just like all the random flotsam of ships lost in the warp. They're yeah, just kind of get kinda jammed together. together. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the big garbage island that we got in the seas right now. <laughs> where it's just like because of the way the tides flow, all the garbage in the ocean just ends gets... up there. Yeah. It's like the size of Texas. Yeah. 
It's a garbage island the size of Texas. It's nothing but garbage. It's it's not great. We're doing bad things to the planet. <laughs> We're bad touching her in such a good way. <laughs> mm. You got this look like, oh, I'm not angry, just disappointed. <laughs> yep, just a, just a little disappointed. <laughs> um, so. All right, back on topic. On to the subject of the Space Hulk. Um, finds a way into the warp to the planet that Angron. No, to the warp. The planet that Angron and all the world and all, a bunch of world leaders were hanging out on, and it's enough to carry thousands of chaos forces to wherever. And they're just like, "Well, let's see where this takes us. Let's just—it's basically like, let's ride the cosmic rails. All aboard the murder train. Yeah, let's ride the cosmic rails and see where we end up. I hop aboard this, end up in the Armageddon system. Get there, and it is utter devastation. They're on the Armageddon. The Imperial forces are on the back foot in a big way." But then Imperial Force show up, which includes Space Souls and some Grey Knights. Grey Knights are there because Demon Primarch Angron's there, along with his bodyguard of 12 Bloodthirsters, I think? Damn, son. Yeah, kind of not fucking around. Why, how, mm. why does he need a bodyguard? No, not why. Yeah, how does he organize a bodyguard? He's insane. He's not necessarily insane, so much he's just angry a lot. And he, figured, he, wanted, anger he wanted the best of the best fighters that the Blood God had to offer. He's like, my legionaries can't compete with this. Give me some bloodthirsters. Did he specifically say, give me bloodthirsters? Yeah, kind of. Because, like, he became... When he be, sent it to demonhood, he became known as the Blood God's son. Because Primarch's the son of the Emperor. Well, Angron became basically... If Korn could have, like, some sort of human equivalency just, like, next of kin, Isn't it would Scarbrand, be Angron. uh... Corn's actual son? Probably, I don't know. Okay, we need. Nathan I don't know here. much about demons. Yeah, we need Nathan. Well, I'll, I'll ask Nathan about that on a podcast, please. <laughs> Looking out for you, listeners. Um, so make plan for there, and the Imperial forces are heavily on the back foot. Great eye show up though, and the space will decide. You know what? Granites hold back. We'll lure them into a river crossing assault. We'll come across the river, and we'll make sure Angron is there. We'll draw him out because if, if we can get rid of Angron, we this. Horror will probably be routed. Grand's like, all right. So, corn warriors come charging across the river. The space will meet them in the middle. Angron shows up. Wait, I'm, they meet them in the middle of the river? Why? So they have more room to fall back on, so that they don't make it to the other riverbank and have solid footing to fight on. Okay. So the space wolves were confident enough in their ability to stay cool-headed and adapt to the environment, whereas the, the corn warriors are just bloodthirsty. They're not thinking. Space wolves had the advantage, basically. Right. As they don't meet them in the middle of the river. They meet them on like the shallower river bank. So as this, you know, as they're starting to kind of get momentum, they counter charge in to kind of rob the berserker charge of its momentum, mm-hmm. which is what space wolves do because we're awesome like that. <laughs> You've felt it before. You know we do. That's what we do. Like I'm gonna charge in close combat. I don't care. You are to the space wolves what Matt Ward is to the ultramarines. <sighs> we're all friends here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know that was, maybe that was a little far. Yeah. What the fuck did I ever do to you? <laughs> Dick, I'm gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell you anything now. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they meet them there. Angron shows up along with his pelt bodyguards, and a bunch of gray knights teleport in. Gray knight paladins specifically teleport in. A bunch of them are killed in Angron's initial sweep of his black blade, which is then stopped by I forget that gray knight's name. That one dick. Yeah, he was kind of important, but I got, I didn't I didn't think he was important to write down. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> the crux of the narrative? 
Listen, this is when I was starting to take the notes, and my notes got a lot more in-depth as we went along. Anyway. Yeah, this is the first time I've taken notes with this podcast, or a podcast at all. Uh, extensive notes. Extensive notes. I've taken some half-assed notes before. Like, I should talk about these things at some point. These are things I want to talk about. No, this is the, time, this is the first time I'm taking down, like, here's things, here are answers to questions. Anyway. Blocks Angron's black gate and breaks it. And then ban- and then they managed to banish Angron for, like, 101 years. I don't really they know like what, the way that number looks. I guess, yeah. I don't really know what happened after Tangron after that. Like, he didn't really reappear. I guess he just got bored. But he, sure was, enough, he was kind of butt-mad. Yeah, sure enough, the Space Wolves are right. As soon as Angron was banished, the Chaos Forces were in utter rout and destroyed. Problem, though. The Grey Knights knew that the civilian population, as well as the Imperial Guard elements, human elements, were now aware of both demons, chaos, and, more importantly, the Grey Knights themselves. And the Space Marines. Space Marines are okay with them knowing. Space Marines, like, because Space Marines aren't necessarily, they're considered mythical sometimes, but they're okay with being, the populace being aware of them. It's an inspirational sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's when you get into Grey Knight territory, it's just like, that's scary that we need those. We need those, why? Well, here's a thing, and then it gets, it kind of escalates from there. Just goes off the rails. Yeah. So, so the Grey Knights have all the human defenders rounded up, sterilized, so, for whatever reason, and... We're getting ready to kill him, whereas Logan, but then Gro- Logan Grimmar steps in and he's like, They fought valiantly at your side. Let them live. If you must repopulate the planet with a new civilian population. Give them to me. Yeah. If you must repopulate the, civilian, the planet with a new civilian population, fine. But these are no, these are good warriors. They have earned the right to live. The Grand Knights are like, Okay. And the Inquisition is just like, And fire. <laughs> really? Yep. They start. They start killing off the the uh, imperial po- the imperial guard population as it's starting to kind of make its way out out of system. The space soldiers are like, "Logan Grimmar, say like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna shield their vessels with ours. We're not gonna return fire because we're better than them." So so began the months of shame where this is where that was their goal. They would take. Their goal was to get as many of the imperial forces that fought on, our, on the first war of Armageddon and make sure that they were able to live. Make sure that the Green Knights and the Inquisition would not be able to contain them. It worked, but there came a point where an Inquisitor and the Grey Knight Grandmaster asked Grimnar to come and talk with them about some sort of truce being arranged. So Grimnar's like, okay, jumps in system, immediately comes under fire, teleports onto the bridge and says, what are you doing? And there's like, this has gone on long enough, surrender yourself to me now. And Grimnar and his terminator is just like, uh, nope, and start trying to teleport out. The Grenades block this with their psychic might, and Grimnar's just like, okay, fuck this. And that's when, and that's the first time they shed actual, they actually return fire. They kill all the Grenades shooting at them, or that are blocking their fortune, teleport back, book it out of system. Grey Knights and the Inquisition decide, alright, let's go to Fenris. They get to Fenris, and there's one heavily damaged cruiser in orbit. Bjorn the Philhanded had been woken up because it gotten that bad. I'm sure he was very grumpy when it happened. He was like, Hey, Bjorn, we need your advice on something. As always, I said in the chapter, We got in a fight with the Inquisition. You what? You you did what now? You did what? <laughs> How long have I been out? Where am I? <laughs> what year is it? But Stuff costs more than it used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that happened. And, you know, Bjorn's been woken up, and the Inquisition block it, you know, goes to the planet and starts asking it for a surrender. Seems they ask for a surrender. The rest of the Space Wolves fleet 
suddenly appear out of the warp. Drops into real space. And just like, surprise, motherfucker! Massive space battle ensues. Grimnar and his Terminator teleport onto the bridge where the Inquisitor and the Grandmaster are. Grimnar kills the Inquisitor and it was about and was going for the Grand Grandmaster when Bjorn teleports to the bridge and says, Enough! Bjorn is a Terminator, correct? Is a He's a Dreadnought. Yeah, a Venerable Dreadnought. He teleports and just, Enough! And they're both just like, Okay. Yeah, you raise a good point. Maybe we shouldn't kill each other. Yeah. But, like, after that, the Grey Knights and the Inquisition have been not too fond of the Space Wolves. Give them a wide berth, but keep a close eye on them. Yeah, now we're at Wars of Fenris, where it's under siege for... Another time. I hate that I have to one who... I'm the one who has to work this podcast equipment, because then I have to talk about that and bugs the shit out of me. It's my Vietnam, alright? Whoa. They fucked up that cannon so bad. Yeah, a little bit. So fucking bad. Not even a little, but they fucked that up. Fucked it to death. <laughs> they, they hate fucked it, <laughs> and not like oh a catharsis. No, th- this was there was, this was just spite. They're ty- they were t- th- my. You know what? My wrestlers in for that fucking cannon. Let's, let's go ahead and and uh, defuse this situation. So the they're first they're tired of space being as awesome as they normally are, and they're just like you know what? We're gonna put them on the back. Fuck those furries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. So, I'm for, good. <laughs> first Armageddon War ends. Ends. Yeah, and for in, that. In a truce between... So what happens to the rest of the Imperial Guard and Imperial civilian forces? S- some of them were able to escape and keep living lives right, on, on the Right, but where did they go? Elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> so they went to the land of the Khajiits. <laughs> <laughs> they just went to elsewhere. Anyway. Hey! It's like Skyrim. Elder Scrolls Elder Scrolls 6 is coming out. Anyway. <laughs> That's not a thing, is it? Isn't it? No been really like they, they've said did you click on the link no it's a rickroll oh that's hilarious <laughs> see this is why i'm glad i don't look into anything <laughs> like, oh there's another scrolls 6 coming out elder scrolls skyrim 2 anyway <laughs> um so second armageddon war yes <laughs> war for armageddon part 2 electric boogaloo, electric boogaloo. <laughs> this is when the arc gazkull decides you know what Armageddon looks pretty juicy. Let's invade So it. how many years after the first Armageddon War is this? <sighs> large number? Large number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, large number. Gaskell attacks. Utter route. The planetary governor, what's his name? What's his dick? It's, it's important for later. It's also going to bother me. Um... Where did I Wasn't this one the piece of shit who was like, oh, you know, Imperial forces here are good enough? Yeah, the Hermann von Straub was like, yeah, no, we've got this under control. As his population and, and PDF is being massacred. As the orcs are taking the planet. Yep. Um, they're on the back foot. The Imperials are on the back foot in a big way. Yark's defending Hades Hive as best he can in a very admirable way to the point where like he's getting kind of feared by the orcs. Now, he hasn't lost his arm yet. He does in this war. Okay. Um, but then at Hive Asheron, right as the orcs are charging and are set to just stomp through, the Blood Angels arrive. Dante assumes command of all Imperial forces. The Salamian commanders and Ultramarines also arrive. Armageddon's a very important system. It cannot, it, because of its industrial capacity and its resource value to the Imperium, it, they cannot afford to lose it by, it, for any reason. So that's why three chapters 
elements from three chapters of Space Marines, including Dante himself, show up. Dante assumes command, even though what's his nuts says, no, we've got this under control. It's like, no, you don't. House arrest. Really? Yeah. Places him under house arrest pending trial for treason. Wow. For not set calling for aid sooner. He is later, he later escapes via land speeder, which is then found crashed, but his body's never recovered. Or found. Interesting. Salamander, the, once the space marines arrive, the orcs are driven off. End of Armageddon War Part 2. The third war happens 57 years to the day of the second war. Gaskell comes back because he now knows how the Imperium's going to react to a major invasion. What's different this time is he's teamed up with a mech boy who makes custom teleporter technology, and you'll love the mech boy's name, Orchimedes. I love the mech boy's name. <laughs> the mech boy oh Orchimedes. Oh my god. Fucking Orchimedes. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it, though? I got a new hero. <laughs> the the, t- the mech boy Orchimedes. Important is the custom teleporter technology, because there's these giant, the orc rocks that are slamming sh- down in front, which bring orcs, sure, that's got te- custom teleporter technology on it that brings in the machinery, too. Okay. So the rocks crash down and act as beacons for the big stuff. Yeah. Now, for an idea of scale, raw scale, of how big the third war from Armageddon, which is still going on in the canon currently. Really? Still going on. Here's how important Armageddon is to the Imperium. Hundreds of companies, regiments, divisions, battalions, brigades of Imperial Guard. Throw men at the problem. Collegia Titanica. Equivalent to ten companies of sister ships of battle. Um, to name some specifics, three Crusades of Black Templars, three Wolf Companies, six Salamander Companies, grand total of 150 companies from various Astartes chapters. Over 20 Space Marine chapters send elements to for a grand total of over 150 companies. No wonder the rest Marines. of the galaxy's fucked. It's an important system. The orcs keep sending more too. More arrive day by every day. Keep fighting. Annoyingly, though, at one point, Gazkull just kind of got bored by the stalemate and left. Really? Yeah. So the leader of the WA is gone. He's just like, this is boring. Pissed He's off and gone somewhere. Bored now! I sympathize. Um, so the leader of the WA is gone, and it's still going on? Yeah. Some notes about the war that happened, that have Asher on, where the Space Marines made a plan to fall in the second war. Fell to treachery from within by Herman von Straub, former planetary governor who was working with Gazkull okay. and then ruled as tyrant. He working was, with? Working with. Orcs can actually be reasoned with. Interesting. A human able to reason with an orc. Yep. He's like, I'll. Remember how you couldn't take Havasharan before, Gazkull? Yeah. I'll take it for you this time. Just like maybe be tyrant over. He's like, I like you, Umi. Deal. Von Straub was then killed by the last chancers. Yes. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Oh, I hope there's a book about that. I'm sure there is. Oh, that's gotta be glorious. I'm sure there is. Because last chancers, there's some heroes. <laughs> uh, then there's the uh, Katana Bay Battle of Gate 9. Uh, the war boss, Judrog Irontooth. God, that's an orky name. A little bit. But it's no Orchimedes. No, it's not Orchimedes. <laughs> Uh, sends every single Death Dread and Killican at the defenders, the Stardust defenders lines that have been weakened by commando raids. 
they are then met by 17 venerables armed with las cannons auto cannons and missile launchers it's the largest dreadnought battle of the war the dreadnoughts have superior firepower and the orcs have kind of meh armor so they're eventually forcing the orc elements to kind of bottleneck and they're then counterattacked by other by normal dreadnoughts however it did cost them seven venerable dreadnoughts god yeah it's kind of a big deal it's kind of like seven guys who survived the traitor the heresy pretty sure kind of yeah because um, venerables the way you become venerable is you just been a dreadnought for a long time right kind of yeah you been those dreadnoughts have been around for a long long time and they lost them not great now, on the subject of orc kilocans, I don't expect you to know the answer to this, but so a dreadnought is a space marine who's been interred into a machine. Hells, what's the hell is the name of the thing? Hellbrute. That's the ones. Hellbrutes are souls that have been imprisoned into these things. Yeah. How do the orcs do it? Want to know what's inside a kilocan? Yes. A grot. Run that by me again. A grot is inside a kilocan. It's hardwired into the kilocan. Interesting. The death dread is the orcs. The okay. killicans are grots. Okay. So for those of you listening, taking a little bit of attention, play Space, the um, Warhammer 40,000 game Space Marine, if you've done the Chaos Exterminatus work, spoiler warning, the bonus wave is killicans, and they're wrecking your shit. You're getting your shit wrecked by grots. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so then explain to me the death dreads. Do they just kind of, like, build them around the orc? Is there a way in and out? The orcs see the death dreads, and they don't really understand how they work, but they know they want one because of all the DACA on them. Like, that looks awesome. It's in covered armory. I want one. And the mech boys are just like, heh, 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 Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll give you a death dread. Cut to black, and they're in a death dread. Yeah, and they're stuck in there forever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yep. So that's height and weight of the third Armageddon War. Yep. There's also... Of note, the Battle of Pisinia Four, specifically Cothridge, which is where the Dark Angels destroy some teleporter technology, in conjunction with Scout Squad, uh, Scout Company, and the Deathwing, Belial, who's then the, com- the leader of the Third Company, who is not y- yet descended Grandmaster of the Deathwing, then holds his forces, holds the line at Cothridge until the rest of the chapter arrive to push the orcs back. The war is still ongoing, despite Gazgol getting bored and fucking off. Uh, Yark went after them, though, with a strike force of Black Templars. Has he appeared elsewhere in the universe? Probably. But, war... Wait, so, a commissar is leading Black Templars? A strike force of them, because the Black Templars realize that Gaskell needs to die, too. Like, they realize how important Gaskell is to... Like, Gaskell definitely needs to go. Um, Third War from Ar- Armageddon is also where Hell's Reach happened. The Hive Hell's Reach incident happened with uh, Black Templar Chaplain Grimaldus where it was under siege heavily and the temple in Hell's Reach was under siege heavily and they held him up for a couple of days until they finally broke in. The fighting was so fierce that it caused the temple to just straight up collapse. Everyone was presumed lost. A day later, Grimaldus crawls out of the wreckage with the last of the relics that were still somewhat intact. He was then named High Ecclesiarch or something like that of the Black Templars. High, high Chaplain. Dude. High Chaplain, yeah. Interesting. Um, what else is there you want to know about? That... But yeah. Armageddon is overall stalemate and still ongoing. More orcs arrive by the day. It's what they call the big scrap. Uh, it's too important for the Imperium to let fall, just as a overall resources. Now, it, it's it's mineral-rich as well as having all the factories? 
Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. It's. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a mess. Like it got away from everyone really fast. Um. But yeah. Anything else that you want to know about as far as those topics go? I think that sums it up for today. That sums it up, huh? All right. Um. Well, I don't think there's anything else worth talking about other than that. Oh, yeah. Um, a second war I'm getting is where, at the end, Yarrick... Oh, prior to Third War, Yarrick actually crashes with Gazgol on a different planet and gets captured by him. Really? Gazgol lets him go because he thinks Yarrick's too much fun. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's like, you're fun, Humi. On you go. You're. I like you too much to kill you. Go lead more of your people against me. Kinda, yeah. Jeez. Then he got bored. And then he fucked off. Yeah, then he fucked like, off! Like, what the hell? Like, you don't start an invasion of that size you, you... and then get bored and walk away. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's hilarious. It's unprecedented. It'd be like... It'd be like in World War One if the Kaiser lost, launched that big invasion. Just like, nah, bored now. Just walked away in the middle of the Battle of the Somme. Just, like, decided to rule somewhere else. Yeah, just bored now. Like, the middle of the Battle of Verdun, just like, you know what? What's that? Hi, Kaiser. I'm bored now. I'm gonna go somewhere else. What? Wait, with the... the uh, uh, <laughs> or like Keep a, going, guys. The Kaiser's supporting us. Or, like, if the middle of D-Day invasion, Eisenhower's just like, you know what? What's that? I just got bored. Pull, pull him back. <laughs> no, just like because he didn't because he didn't pull the orc force back. He just left him there. He just straight up left them there. So is there any like theory about what he's doing? Any... About Gaskell? Yeah, he's just running around, just starting war tribe. Just like yeah, follow me because I'm the biggest. And they're just like okay, follow whatever. me. I'll lead you to glory and not get bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a thing that happened. Just got bored and fucked off. Just got bored and fucked off. That isn't, is that not, though, like, the purest essence of orc ever? Just, I've started this huge end-all battle, and it's not enough. Like, this apocalyptic battle, and I'm bored. There's no way to make that joke. What do you mean? So, it's on the planet of Armageddon, would you say the battle was? But, like, Armageddon isn't, I can't say Armageddonic. It's not apocalyptic. Uh, I'm trying Sometimes you're just a human version of a fucking headache. Eh, you're friends with me. Uh, you know, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> I was thinking about it, about how we're friends. Threw up. <laughs> <laughs> Threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> Alright, and on that interesting note of friendship. What, what, what passes for friendship? <laughs> what passes for friendship here at Shield Wall HQ? We really just hate each other. In a loving manner. Yeah, all those guys, fuck them, but hell of a guys. Hell of a guys, hell of a bunch of guys. Great guys. Speak the world of them. Just not to their face. <laughs> Speak the world of them. In fact, we may have to destroy this podcast. Word Perhaps. can never escape. The world can never know. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everyone, to another episode of Lorecast. Check us out on Facebook Lore and Instagram. Lorecouncil. Sorry. Fuck. How did I fuck that up? Damn it! Damn it! Destroy Damn. the recordings! Destroy the recordings! Whoop, whoop, whoop. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye! Doodles.